this time on Holy Ghost Notes. This is it. Gosh, why did I do that? That's so dumb. Just drop dead. It's embarrassing. I don't know what I was thinking. On my podcast? You're on a roll today, man. Your mom's the reason. Welcome to Holy Ghost Notes, episode 105. Six. One hundred and six. <laughs> You're on a roll today, man. Man, I was I was so sure of it. I was so sure of it. One hundred and six. <laughs> Part of me wanted to just let you roll with it. <laughs> just, you were so confident. It was yeah. It was great. I'm glad you didn't. I can take it. It's yeah, uh, yeah. it's embarrassing, You're a good sport. but it's. <laughs> Well, we have a uh, policy here that we're not going to start over because I mess up an episode number. We'll just go with it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Tim, good morning to you. It's early. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I just uh, confused numbers on our podcast, uh, on my podcast that I've had for years and keep track of the episodes two times a month. It's just twice. That's all we have to do. Yes, just twice a month. It's not every day. It's basic math. <laughs> just counting. <laughs> 105, and the next number, two weeks later, is 106. <laughs> yes. My uh, my six-year-old can actually count. <laughs> pretty sure higher than 106. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, living life to the fullest. How about you? Yeah, yeah good, good. In, in pre-roll, we just talked about your weekend. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, weddings are a lot of work. You're talking yes. about how much work it is to be in one and you're right. It's, it's as much work as being in, it's as much work as getting married minus all of the, um, wedding planning. But at yeah. this point you can just pay someone to do most of that anyway. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just a full day and. And then the lead up to it and the recovery yeah. from it. I mean, you have mm-hmm. kids at home that you have to have babysitters for. and It's just so much work. And then I was thinking as you were talking, you have to be conscientious of the fact that you're going to be in pictures that represent the biggest day of this person's life. Mm. And my first thought is I, I don't want to screw that up. So you, <laughs> I mean, you're you're in the picture with yeah. the person on their biggest day, and uh, man, I think of the days that I just didn't really care. I guess I had a blonde yeah. mohawk, and I showed up to my brother's <laughs> wedding, and my sister in law still brings it up to this day. <laughs> I mean, I could have. I could have uh, tamed the main. I had a faux hawk for my actual wedding, so I remember uh, that. I've seen that picture. That <laughs> we should make that the cover yeah. of this episode. <laughs> my faux hawk. <laughs> Zoomed in. I liked your faux. I don't know what I was thinking. It wasn't bad. It had its and time. your fro, your faux hawk, and your fro. Yeah, uh, when I was growing up. So for, for those of you that don't know, that are listening and haven't seen a picture of me, I am bald. I have no hair. Um, 
<laughs> not where I, not where and, I thought you were going to take it. Well, growing up, growing up, uh, I, I had the, the name Puff. That's what, that's what my friends called me. Did um, you really? Because of my hair, because of how much hair I had on my head. And it was all just puffy, poofy, mm-hmm. it's poofy hair. And uh, so, yeah, I I was puff for a very, well, it wasn't that big of a portion. Maybe five, six years of my life I was mm-hmm. called puff. Puff? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not, not know that. Not many people know that. Yeah. That was the uh, the old church youth group name for me. Huh. Yeah. Not many people knew that. You sure you're all right with that being out there? Uh, that's okay. This Sorry, point? I have okay. no hair now. Live and <laughs> let die. came up and said, Puff. I'd be like, who in the world are you? <laughs> Why are you calling me Puff? <laughs> so your hair just, you had a lot of it. Was it, was it that it just, your body's like, I need to make all this hair. Boom. And then know, man. it just happened. It just, <laughs> it went all in too early and expired <laughs> a little early possibly like what I mean, like you're that's it actually your fro i never really was, consider that theory your fro was, was huge but but, oh, it was, but was it yeah. yeah i mean i remember you back then we had it a ministry never, together brick by brick yeah yeah it was never like unkempt but it was like it was curly and thick so when it would grow and and there was never, I don't, I don't think there was ever really a good haircut for me. Like there was never a haircut that suited me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times I ended up wearing a hat. Right. A beanie. Like a beanie. I was wearing you a beanie. You wore a beanie over, a lot. Yeah, all yep. the time. Beanies and, are great uh, for that. Yeah. But then, you know, when Summertime playing happens. sports or something like that, the beanie comes <laughs> off and the hair is just, you know, whatever you left. watching someone play soccer and they're wearing a beanie in July? <laughs> I wore the beanie through the summer, but not I did too. Like when I was playing sports and stuff. It was just like, but they were oh, in style man. back then. They were, but man, when you look back, I, I was on Warp Tour wearing a beanie every day. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. Obviously, because I was cold on Warp Tour yeah. in Las Vegas, 105 degree heat. <laughs> the yeah. soles of my shoes were <laughs> melting on the driveway, and I'm wearing a beanie. <laughs> oh. what, what's the most embarrassing haircut that you've had? Would you say it's the blonde mohawk? I, it's I definitely like the blonde that bad. mohawk. It's you think so? definitely the blonde mohawk. I mean, the Justin Bieber swoop was. <laughs> Kind of regrettable, but I was I was younger. I feel like that was like a pivotal pivotal time in your life, though. That that swoop swoop was okay. Everybody had it. The blonde mohawk was me wanting to be Jeremy McGrath. Mm. My motocross years that never happened, and I don't know. I just got into a weird. (laughs) I had this thought in my head: I should have a blonde mohawk. And when you have a thought like that. At least in my in my in my head, what happens is I go to the best case scenario. Yeah, I never consider the worst case scenario or even the mm. middle of the road. So I'm thinking of the best. Who who rocked this the best? That's who I'm looking at. I'm like, yeah, I'll look like that too. And so I had a friend <laughs> dye my mohawk wasn't even really a mohawk that was the worst thing i wasn't even fully committed to it 
just the middle of my head was blonde. <laughs> and then I went to Europe and did a Euro tour. And we played these huge festivals for a lot of people. And I have this blonde streak down the middle of my head. And I think I'm... It's like a skunk oh, or something. Man. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it was. And dude, the best thing was, the best thing was I was dating a girl whose parents were, um, they're really nice, but they were pretty strict. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I wore a hat when I went over to their house and, uh, I got, I got in trouble for, uh, wearing a hat in the house. And I was like, really? yeah, they're like, Hey, uh, we don't wear hats in the house. And in that moment, I thought, well, which is worse? Just keeping my hat on, even though um, <laughs> I was just told to take it off or take it off and reveal the blonde streak. <laughs> <laughs> I took it off and the relationship didn't, didn't last very long. <laughs> That's very funny. <clears throat> didn't go much further. <laughs> yeah, a couple months. Wasn't yeah. meant to be. But neither was mm -hmm. that mohawk. Thank God for the yeah. What about you? Was it the the faux hawk or is there another haircut? Oh, no. damn! I remember. I remember something else that maybe you did too. I had Hopefully not a haircut. My, <laughs> I had someone carve a uh, cross in the back of my I did. head. <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> did you really? We are so pathetic. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, I kind of, I kind I can't of believe you did that. You, I kind of figured you did that as soon as I oh, had yeah. the thought. I did that. I did that. <laughs> oh my gosh! What uh, were you thinking? Uh, Why? That wasn't even the worst haircut I've had. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the worst haircut I've had. So the mushroom cut was big for a while in the nineties. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> for. <laughs> For most people, the mushroom cut works. Like if you have straight hair, you know, it was in, it looked pretty good. The Backstreet Boys. I almost just fell off my drum through, <laughs> closing my eyes and laughing and imagining your I mushroom cut. I took the mushroom cut to the literal level. I mean, I had curly, thick, poofy hair. So just imagine like, you know, a fro, right? But then you just shave the bottom of it. <laughs> so <laughs> it shouldn't stop being poofy and froey. It just, half of it was shaved <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> so I had a mushroom cut, <laughs> quote unquote. Uh, but it was like, it just looked like a legit, you know, mushroom cloud mm -hmm. um, <laughs> on my head. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was definitely the worst that I've done. Um, oh, man. But, uh, I wonder what our parents were thinking throughout all of this just yeah. I don't even know if they noticed they just ignored it <laughs> yeah. I don't know man my, my mom actually cut our hair uh, <laughs> for most of our lives <laughs> your mom's the reason mom's well we, the reason we decided what style we wanted but she was the one who attempted to to cut it so good on her man yeah. that's funny well, if you're listening to this and you're, uh, <laughs> hopefully you're thinking about haircuts you've had, it's, it's pretty embarrassing to look back and think about decisions you made. But I, I, I don't know where you stand on this, Tim, but I, I am not big on the regret, the idea mm -hmm. of regret. I, yeah, 
I, I think you made the decisions you did when you did based on the knowledge you had. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to remember that. Now when That's you right. look back and you say, man, that was regrettable. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> because you're older and wiser, I guess, in some ways. But at, at the time, you made that decision and you hopefully calculated it to a certain degree. I know I did. I'm... I'm I used to overthink everything. So mm-hmm. I probably did that with everything I did that I look back on now and think, oh my gosh, why did I do that? That's so dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I regret that. And well, you did it because you wanted to do it. And yeah. you thought it was a good idea. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, mm-hmm. I just, I don't really subscribe to the idea of, re- of regretful stuff. Now, I guess there are aspects of this, like, um, you are intoxicated, right? And you do something. Mm-hmm. There are things that are are definitely regrettable that that you did or could have done in your life. And in my life, when I look back, and it's like something I said, or it just you know, I was I was in, I'm I'm embarrassed thinking about a situation I put myself in. But that's usually when I wasn't in uh when i wasn't thinking clearly mm-hmm. which is which was kind of rare i mean any other time that <clears throat> yeah. i made a decision i i had time to think about it and right come up with a reason for it so which in some cases is actually worse <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it is like i spent time thinking about this i made this conscious decision <laughs> i decided to carve a cross in the back of my head yeah. And then get mad when someone on tour made fun of me for it. <laughs> oh wait, you were older when you did that. Oh yeah, See, man, I was I was last year. I was like I was like I was like ten when I did that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So so I would so have been the I. guy made, making fun of you too. <laughs> <laughs> well. No, I wouldn't. We should be, I would have. We, I would have had some. We should. Uh, we should be talking <laughs> about regret today, but we're not. We're actually. We're not. Today's today's faith topic is um, actually finances, which I'm very excited mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And um, the reason I'm excited for it is because I I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I like I like researching the value of something. So, for example, we just had carpet installed in part of our house as my wife and I get ready to welcome our baby girl to the world. It'd be nicer to have carpet in certain parts of, uh, of our home. And so we go to three different places. I research the places. I research the square footage and the value we're getting. I set up a spreadsheet. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I really enjoy that aspect of um, buying something spending the money that I make to purchase something for our, for our home. It's really fun for me. So, yeah. and then you, you spend the money and then you take care of the stuff you spend your money on and then you make more money. I, I like all aspects of numbers and finances, but yeah. recently I was reading, actually yesterday morning I was reading uh, in Luke 12 about the rich fool and about how God, God says to this man who basically has a bumper crop right? He has all this grain coming in and he knocks down his barns and he builds bigger barns. And God's like, what are you doing? I could take all of this from you right now. What makes you rich is your relationship with me, which 
if you think about it, God, God's pretty extreme. I mean, I was just telling my wife yesterday, God, God sent someone to go try to find 10 good men. And if 10 good men couldn't be found, he was just going to end it all. Hmm. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's pretty brutal. It's like, mm. if you, but what if I find the, what if I find nine? Nope. Mm. <laughs> it's gotta be 10. Yeah. All right. I think, I think Ugh. everything in the Old Testament, this is what I've been realizing a lot recently because, uh, you know, I've had conversations where it's like, Hey, a lot of this doesn't line up with mm-hmm. the New Testament. I was like, yeah, well, there's a reason for that because the Old Testament, um, you know, it's obviously under this old covenant, right? And, and the new covenant wouldn't be all of that different or important or special, or there wouldn't be a reason to celebrate Mm -hmm. the new covenant if there wasn't so much deviation from the old covenant, right? Mm -hmm. So you see this extreme, (laughs) like, like, like how, like you were either with God or you were not like it was, mm-hmm. there was no black and white there. It was pretty much, which is actually yeah. kind of cool to see, um, and a, and a great way to kind of model your life. But, um, but you see all these things happening that I think almost just pave the way, like paint the picture, mm. um, of Jesus coming in and changing that. Like now, mm you do not have to make sacrifices just to be in the presence of God. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, like imagine that. Imagine every time yeah. you wanted to pray, mm-hmm. you have to go, you know, find some livestock <laughs> that's your that own. so extreme. <laughs> Slaughter it. <laughs> you know, it's like um, just, oh just to pray and then like still fear for your life that you could be in the presence of God. I just see drop what you're dead. saying. You know, it's like the, the difference between Old Testament and New right. Testament is like so... So extreme, you know. I thought and you were going to take it in a direction of um, it was such a mess, which which you're also well, that too saying yeah. like I mm-hmm. think of uh, a lyric I wrote for I can't remember, I can't remember the name of the song right now. Um, my it might it might be Meridian. I can't remember making this mess a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's like the 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 bigger the mess is, the the more the masterpiece stands in contrast to it. Yeah. I kind of thought that's what you meant at at first. Mm -hmm. Like, man, it was like, if it wasn't all that bad and then (laughs) all of a sudden there's this new covenant, it's like, well, it's, it's an upgrade. It's an improvement, but it wasn't all that bad before. No, it was a disaster. And it was also a lot of work, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like the, the relationship side of it, you know, was something that only the priests had. So you're really completely reliant on these, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what led to the whole like Pharisee syndrome thing, you know, where mm-hmm. like everyone was reliant to hear the truth from these mm. Pharisees and, and they were the holier than thou's because they actually mm-hmm. were in, you know, attempting to live a lifestyle and Jesus came and, and, and broke that, you know, he mm-hmm. came and 
basically said, you fools, like, <laughs> you, <laughs> you are no better than these. <laughs> like, just because you do all these things and live a life that is, you know, from this perspective, more upright, um, and because you have direct um, access to the scripture and, you know, like, it doesn't make you better than these people, it just makes you a leader, but they mm. weren't leading. They were abusing that, mm-hmm. you know, um, boy, it sounds position. so it's somewhat crazy when you, similar you know, when to comes tears that down. It's <laughs> just crazy. It, it's, know? it doesn't sound all that different than today. In some cases, the way you just mm. described leaders who are abusing power. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get well, into it's that. Human nature, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into the finances and everything that's involved around it. Um, yes, our our yes. our drum topic today, which we'll start with, is pressure, mm-hmm. and we'll get right into that right now. Let's I'm do not it. even going to hit my hi hat as I get into it. <laughs> okay. So don't want to wake anyone up. <laughs> pressure. Let's talk about it. Pressure. Um, Let's do it. When I was a kid. I remember landscaping for eight to 10 hours a day in the summer. And if you're thinking about when you were a kid or when you first, you know, started working, had your first job, think, think about, um, where drumming fits into all this. For me, drumming was the thing I couldn't wait to do when I got home. Mm -hmm. I could not wait to get back home from work and play. I didn't, hate work. I actually really liked work. I I liked landscaping a lot and I remember enjoying it, but it felt like everything got in the way of drumming for me. Didn't matter what Mm -hmm. it was. I could be having a great time out with friends. I was still thinking about playing drums. I was mowing a doctor's house. It was a side gig I had in between my job and college. And I was tapping on the steering wheel of this mower in his backyard. He had a couple acres of grass to mow. And I was writing breakdowns on the steering wheel of mm-hmm. this mower for a thrill seeker, as it turns out. So we had already formed the band. We had released a demo, which we shall not speak of, and an EP, <laughs> which we also shouldn't speak of and we were getting re- <laughs> we were getting ready to record thrill seeker we at least had it in the wings and i would just be playing these breakdowns and thinking yeah i gotta remember that till i get home get home play and i had this dream tim i had this dream what if i didn't have to work another job and i just got to play drums all day what if that was my job I can't mm-hmm. imagine that. I would be so good at drumming. I would play all day long. It would be <laughs> amazing if I could actually do that. Fast forward to, that was like 2004, 2005. We record Thrill Seeker. We get signed. Uh, we get signed first, and then we record Thrill Seeker, and we go on our first tour in November, December 2005 with Bury Your Dead, Terror, and Scars of Tomorrow. 2006, we start touring a lot. We're probably on the road six months that year. And for the most part, it just kept ramping up until 2009 when we did, I believe it was nine months with a three-month stretch all at once. Hmm. U.S. tour, Europe, U.S. tour. I think it was Bring Me, a headliner, and then uh, Under Oath, Emery. 
right into Christmas time. Nice. At this point, I have I have uh, only one job, and it's the band. When I come home, I do not have to work another job. This is my job, and I get to play whenever I want because um, at this point, I bought a house. It's 2009. September 2009, I bought a house. I moved in when I got back from that Under Earth tour in December. And 2010 rolls around. We go to Europe. We're on tour with Lamb of God and Job for a Cowboy. <laughs> and uh, now we go to a bus. So now I have even more time on tour because I don't have to drive. I have my practice mm-hmm. set up, my pad. and um, I come home and I have my kit set up when I load it in and I can play whenever. What I realized over the course of time is that just because you are able to do something doesn't mean that you will. In fact, the way, the way that my personality works, and, I, and I'm curious to see what your experience is with this, Tim. Mm-hmm. I played just as much, if not more, when I had other things going on in my life and I had this window that I could squeeze drumming into. There were, mm-hmm. there were a lot of other things that were competing for that time, but drumming was the thing I wanted to do more than anything else. And I made it work. It might have been an hour, it might have been two hours, it might have been three hours, it might have been four hours. I practiced a lot when I first started playing. When you have to do a lot of other things, but you want to do one thing more than everything else, you're going to pick the one thing you want to do more than everything else. Yeah. When you have nothing else uh, competing for that time, that's cer- certainly, not, certainly nothing as important as drumming that's competing for that time. You, yeah. have, you, you have nothing else you really have to do. I find it's harder to be, to be motivated to do that one thing mm. because there's not pressure. Yeah. The thing that has kept me attached to drumming in a serious way is that I have, I have pressure in the short-term future, whether it's a record after record, whether it's a tour, whether it's a live stream, whether it's um, uh, a drum clinic, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of yeah. things that are ahead of us at any point in time, whether it's a month out, two months out, three months out, where you have to be ready, you have to be prepared. That's what right. keeps me right. motivated. That's what keeps me working. But just let's say we take a year off. What's going to motivate me to play? I can play anytime I want to. I don't have anything else competing for that time. And it's going to be more difficult to be motivated to play, even though I can play whenever I want to. Right. Contrast that with back in the day. I didn't I had some shows on the weekends and stuff. But I dreamt about the day that I could mm-hmm. just play whenever I wanted to play. And yeah. now here I am having the experience. I mean, this is nothing new. This is thirteen years. Uh, this has been my experience where the thing that's providing pressure for you is the thing that keeps you motivated. And when you, when you lose the pressure, uh, it's much harder to be your own mm-hmm. boss and to say, I got to play. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? <clears throat> that's, I like that a lot. Um, and this is exactly where I thought you were going to take it. Um, 
And I, I was, so when I was thinking about this, I was kind of taking a metaphorical approach, I guess, you know, yeah. cause, um, you know, I was always kind of taught the, um, the metaphor of a diamond and how diamonds are made, <laughs> you know, and it's a mm-hmm. biblical concept, right? You know, the, yeah. the more pressure that's applied, the, you know, it, the diamond needs that pressure in order to mm-hmm. form. Um, and it's extreme, extreme pressure. Um, so I do believe that that is how, um, you know, the best of the best are molded or molded or crafted, <laughs> created, crafted through That's pressure. A great. Um, metaphor i i mean I really that do is a believe really that. solid metaphor yeah yeah like that's I mean, it, perfect yeah for this and it's not just drumming really it's it's kind no. of everything you know if it if is you you get better at your craft you get you get um more experienced you get i mean it's all encompassing it's you know that pressure really is what makes you this hard beautiful thing you know yeah like the diamond is like the hardest stone after that pressure you know like you mm-hmm. can it's like you literally cut diamond with diamond right mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like you know um it's yeah it's crazy um so to answer your question yes i i am definitely this way um but there's another part of it um, beyond just pressure. And I guess it still kind of applies to pressure. It's adding additional pressure to to yourself, maybe unneeded. But what I found about myself is that, um, I can't, I, I, I can't stop dreaming. Like if I stop dreaming, if there's just pressure and there's no like hope, Mm. (laughs) then that's where I, yeah, I start to crumble under pressure, right? So there's the pressure that's important. It's good. It's a good thing. Um, it molds you, it shapes you, but, uh, you need that hope to hold on mm. to. Um, otherwise, at least for me, I, you know, get distracted and I collapse and I, you know, look elsewhere. I give up, mm-hmm. you know, um, the reason why, um, like, so I've never been in a situation like you where, um, I have a, you know, three month tour coming up that I'm preparing for. But what mm-hmm. I will say is that the times in my life that I have played drums the most were when I was writing drums mm-hmm. for, you know, in preparation for recording or, um, in preparation for, um, like the, at one point we were actually, we, uh, my buddy and I started a band and we were auditioning members. Um, but there was this whole, like, uh, it was, there was so much excitement around it. Like, I don't know. We were like mm-hmm. dreaming about the possibilities of finding these perfect members of the band. <laughs> it never happened by the way, but, um, <laughs> but we had this thing in mind, we had these songs written already. And, um, so we were going to start recording these demos and the, the goal was basically, okay, once we find the singer, He'll come in and he'll just record his parts over this music that we've already already yeah. recorded. Um, yeah. We can even have them audition to the songs because the lyrics will be there. I'll record a demo like vocal track and they can just learn the song. And uh, it was a cool idea actually. But mm-hmm. um, but I remember just putting so much into this, like 
every every second that I had available to myself outside right. of like work um, and like home life. You know, it exactly. was all it was all drumming. It was writing mm-hmm. these parts. It was recording these parts, um, and uh, to the point where I actually like um, I was a I was a contractor at this point. Um, so I could kind of make my own schedule and I ended up devoting an entire day, like every Thursday was my music day. And I'd wake up in the morning like I would for work and, um, I would start writing. And then at some point I'd head over to my buddy's house and we'd write music for four or five or six hours or whatever. Um, and it was a full day. I mean, you know, sometimes more than a full day, like 12, Mm. you know, something hours. And it wasn't all spent drumming, um, but that was my day. Yeah. Like that I knew, okay, it doesn't matter. This is my, this is my job today. Yeah. Made it my job. Um, And uh, yeah, played, played drums so much. And it was because I was putting pressure on myself, really. It was because there was a dream there. There was this motivation, this drive um, to do it. Um, And so... But yeah, I, I agree. I think um, there have been times, uh, there was one time in particular that sticks out to me where I was um, I was joining this band. I got asked to join this band in Philly. And um, the we were playing a show like two weeks later. So I got asked to join. I was like, yeah, sure. Um, you know, uh, We'll start start learning the songs. He's like, well, the show's in like two weeks at <laughs> uh, was the World Cafe live in Philly. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he had this ten song set list, and so I remember uh, I was working, you know, ten hour days at that point, and uh, for for like a salaried position, like it was <laughs> it was an, it was an actual job. I was married as well. Um, <laughs> And, um, I didn't have a kid at home. So I got the keys to my church and, uh, I had my kit set up there. Oh yeah. And I woke up at five in the morning. Who cares? I drove to the church. Yep. I was on the kit by six, played for two hours and then started work. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And learned that set list. And I had the set list down in mm-hmm. two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, played that show without a hitch and, you know, but it was that, it was, it was that pressure, you know, that got me yeah. to do that. There was no way, yeah. no way I was waking up that early uh-uh. to no. go play drums. No, like, I mean, I that's, just wouldn't have, I would have woken up when I had to gotten up for work and then that would have been it, you know. that What I hear you saying is you need to apply yourself. We, mm-hmm. we would be better off if we applied ourselves and if we really challenged ourselves that's what i hear when you say pressure when you set up an example like this mm-hmm. um if you have all the time in the world to do something you're not going to be a, a very serious person about it because there's yeah. nothing pushing you to the edge when you when yeah. you have to deliver that's that's where you really see what you're made of mm-hmm. like you have the show coming up you're either not going to play well and look like an idiot <laughs> or you're going <laughs> to practice for two weeks, put in the work, push yourself, challenge yourself. Yeah. Say no to other things like sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a sacrifice, but it, you're happy to make that, that sacrifice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess mean, what, we, what was it that got you on the kit in those, you know, two, three hours a day that you actually had between work? It was the dream. Of it was being able to do it as a job, as a career, or be in a band or tour at some point, you know, like that's what got you on the kit. It was, it, it was the dream. There was pressure but, for sure. But it but. wasn't, it wasn't just the dream though, for me. It, I wasn't, that wasn't my personality as much as it was, I got bit by the bug. Hmm. When, when I first started playing drums, if I wish there would have been something that you could see that would represent your, your brain firing all of these ideas. <laughs> I had yeah. never experienced anything like that. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. You've been living your life for 15 years. Skateboarding's fun. BMX is fun. Motocross is fun. And then and you, you've experienced great things, and that's what you know. And then you, you find mm -hmm. this new thing. And... It lights you like, up. This is anything it. else does. Yeah. This is it. It's that and aha it's, moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's 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 an aha moment. And, and not even the fact that it's just fun today, but it's like, wait a second, I have this whole new world I didn't know about. Like I just opened this door and I like what's in here. I like what's in this yeah. room. Right? I want to keep coming back here. And also I have things to bring into this room that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. In myself, in my brain, in my, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess in my brain, really, I just had these ideas that I didn't yep. know I had. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to keep going back and being like, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three. Like I said in the beginning, I'm a numbers guy. This plays into mm -hmm. to, to math and the finances oh, because yeah. for, mm -hmm. for me, it's about resolve. Drumming is such a cool instrument to me. Music is such a cool thing to me because I come at it from a mathematical side where I love the net zero. Yeah. I love the uh, some zero. Um, I'm not even remembering the right term right now. I'm, I've never been a term guy, by the way. It just, hmm. uh, like, I get theory. It, it helps me understand things in hindsight, but it I don't use it to understand music. I just, I mm -hmm. work to figure out what works. And then I'm like, okay, that's the word for that thing. Not the other right. way around. Yeah. And um, I, I know, you know, there are a lot of people who are very, very, very good at reading music. I am not. I'm terrible at reading music. I'm really good at writing drum parts and remembering them, committing them to memory. Mm -hmm. And it's it's in my head forever. I'm the same way. And yep. So for me, it's like, okay, let's say you're playing in seven on your feet and four on your hands. When are they going to meet back up? The lowest common multiple of seven and four is what? 28. 7, 14, 21, 28. So it's going to take four times through the seven and 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, 24, 20, seven times through the four, of course. Right? Mm -hmm. Of course it works out like that. Seven and four. So if you're playing one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one on your hands and on your feet, you're playing one, two, three, four, five, six, and one, two, three, four, five, six, and one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, and zero get back you get back to the beginning mm -hmm. and now you have you play the same thing all over again you figure out yep. where the snare falls you figure out how the pattern sounds when you're playing a polyrhythm i i couldn't believe when i figured this stuff out like when i found just one pattern that worked like this it it was it made me so happy 
And no one else really knew what I was talking about. I mean, still to this day, you can talk to people about this. And they're like, what are you yeah. talking about? But to you, it's basic. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the most fundamental thing. It's like, well, of course it works out like this. Yeah. And you memorize it like you do math. Music has so much resolve, which is what I love. It's Same. Like, you know, and people, people innately... Uh, recognize it they don't always understand it but they innately recognize it so it's like the best way yeah. to put it would be like the uh, like when you return to your your root note of a key you know at the end mm -hmm. everyone's expecting this like final chord at the end of a song hmm. and if it's not the root note <laughs> everyone's like wait what what happened? that was weird you know yeah. but if you end on that root note it's like ah yeah now we can end. <laughs> yeah, now it finishes, and it's actually a strategic move to not end on that root note because, in mm -hmm. most cases, then it feels like the song has to keep going, and then that's when it gets yeah. stuck in your head. And so, there's all these things about oh, music wow. and resolve that mm -hmm. like <laughs> play into it. So I totally get what you're saying. Like as soon as it clicks, and it's like, oh, that's where the one is. It's like, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, I've got it. Yeah, I, it's you know, it clicks. Exactly. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. You get, and thankfully you, you don't you have to count to 106 in yeah. drumming most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, Tim. Uh, yeah, episode number 106. <laughs> well, what uh, what bug have you gotten bit bitten by? If you if you can figure that out for yourself, mm -hmm. well, okay. This is one more thing I want to talk about. Okay. Um, not everybody has a thing. Not everybody has that thing. For me, it was drumming. When I got bit by the bug, when I was just falling in love with drumming, I thought everybody had something like it. I just thought yeah. it was in human nature. Like everybody has mm -hmm. the thing where yeah, they just what's your they thing? can't, I would ask can't wait that. to do that. Yeah. I was like, so what are you, what, what's your thing? And they'd be like, what? I don't know. I don't what know. do you want to like, do with your life? What? I don't know. Maybe go to business school or something. Like, what? You don't have a thing? Like, you don't right. have a dream? What's your getaway? <laughs> what's What's the thing that you feel most productive doing? Or you yeah. just, it's it's your, I, I don't really subscribe to the idea of like an out-of-body experience, but the closest thing I would say to you, you do this thing and you lose track of time or mm -hmm. you do this thing and you're, for me, like when I'm playing drums, I think, clearly i have mm. like all these ideas when i'm playing drums my wife thinks it's really funny how like i'll play drums for a while i'll come upstairs from my studio and i'll have all these ideas and i just want to tell mm -hmm. her about all of them and yeah. there's nothing else i do that i that i have that uh i don't know it, it, it's it's a very life-giving yeah thing for me i and use it to solve problems that. If I'm perplexed i can't figure out a solution to something sometimes yeah. i'll just get on the kit play for a while and just kind of think about it in the back of my mind and half the time things will come together. I'll have some form of solution or at least something that I'll attempt to try at yeah. the end of that, that time. It's Tim, I'm so stoked for you to get back on the kit. I can't wait. I am. I can't I am wait. So, you've had a crazy a year. It's You've had nuts. a crazy year, and it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, and oh, when yeah. it does, we should dedicate the entire episode to it. Like, how long has it been? <laughs> it just what was it like? Yeah. What did you play? <laughs> what were you better at than what you expected? What do you need to yeah. work on? What do you want to work on? Mm. Yeah, just like day one of Tim's back to playing drums. <laughs> I'll have to log it. 
<laughs> document it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, still a few things left to do in that room, but, uh, but it's close. Um, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be yep. good. Okay. Well, we'll move on. Um, with the time we have left here, uh, I got about got some pressure to get that room together. That's for 20 sure. 20 minutes, 20 minutes <laughs> left here. Tim's, <laughs> Tim's got some pressure. <laughs> Um, I got some pressure to be at church this morning. (laughs) Good pressure. (laughs) Good pressure. So we'll move on to finances here. Um, That's our faith topic today. And finances. So, so So in particular, I wrote down in my topic discussion with you, the cash envelope system. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit, but I think that this conversation will take us in spiritual direction too. Yeah. And um so I'll lead this off and then wherever it it goes, you can you can take it and sounds good. We'll work on it. So I remember years ago hearing about this guy Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey was like the money guru. Um I I didn't know much about him, but I knew that he had this idea of giving people financial peace helping them get out of debt. I really like that idea because I was taught as a kid, don't go into debt in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay, out of, stay out of debt. Wait until you have the money to buy something to buy it. Uh, deny yourself was something that my dad would say growing up. Deny yourself. It's like, well, I don't want to deny myself. I want to buy this BMX bike <laughs> because I like the BMX bike. And I don't have the money to buy it right now. Well, deny yourself. Yeah, but it's $330 and I'll, you know, pay it off. Actually, I don't even think I really entertained the idea. I just, I just didn't like the fact that I had to wait to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. But in hindsight, that was a really good thing for me to have to wait because life isn't about getting what you want right now. We all know that as adults, but as a kid, it's like, well, my friend has one. Why can't I buy one? (laughs) As I, uh, Figured, figured this out and started working and saving money. Um, I, like I said, heard about this Dave Ramsey guy and how he likes to help people get out of debt and have financial peace. And his idea for getting out of debt I thought was really good. It was this. If you have three credit cards, all with a running tab, and you're paying on all three of them, pay off the first card, once it's paid off, pretend that you have never paid it off. You're still paying mm-hmm. on it, but put that money towards the second and third credit cards. So in other words, pretend that you still have the first payment. You were able to live your life just the same mm-hmm. and snowball the payments until you've paid That's off your right. debt. Start with your debt. Mm-hmm. Get your debt paid off. And I was like, that's a really good idea because if you're able to survive paying all three credit cards off and now you only have two credit card payments. Um, you can you can pretend that you still have that first one and you can get the second and third paid off and all of a sudden you don't have debt anymore. And imagine how much right. less stressful life would be. <clears throat> well, then I also heard about his cash envelope system. I think it's Dave Ramsey. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I, it was always associated with him. We could do some mm-hmm. research on this and figure it out. But... Um, this on the surface was honestly kind of a cheesy idea. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you have a bunch of cash. Who has a bunch of cash sitting around 
and you have envelopes and you write on the envelope gas and you write on the envelope uh, I don't know food you know restaurants and then you write on the on the other envelope groceries fun money etc well it wasn't until recently that I really thought about this cash envelope system and the benefits that it could have. Mm. If you pay, if you have $200 a month for gas, and let's say you, uh, you go on a trip one weekend and you blow through $100 of it, you only have $100 left for the month. Two weeks later, you're out of gas money. Let's say you <laughs> need to fill up your tank, but there's no money left in your gas envelope. You're going to go to the restaurant, to the, to the takeout money, and you're going to pull from that, right? Say there's $400 in there. Mm-hmm. You pull 100 bucks for gas. Now you only have $300 for, for takeout. You blow through the takeout money, and uh, you need a little bit more to take your wife out to eat. So you're going to pull from the grocery envelope. Now the grocery envelope has less than what you need and you're pulling from the you know from the entertainment envelope. It hurts a little more when you are pulling from other categories to subsidize the one that you're in need of. Mm-hmm. And if it hurts a little more, you're going to notice where you're spending money where you need to adjust your living, your standard mm-hmm. of living. I really like that. I think I think there are benefits to this, um, because budgeting doesn't work for everybody. Saying we're only going yeah. to spend this amount of money this month, and then you go over, and it's like okay, I went over in that category, but you let everything else, every other category, just exist the way that you have it set mm-hmm. up. What if it hurts the other categories if you go over in the one? Yeah, and a cash envelope I think does a really good job of that. Now, some of the other pros for the cash envelope system is you're spending the money with actual hard cash. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's you harder. see it more. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's more of a tangible thing than just swiping your card. Okay. It's, it's totally impractical though. I mean, it's, yeah. it's such a, it, it would be such a pain in the butt to have <laughs> to have cash pulled out and have all this mm-hmm. stuff set up. But the idea is, the idea is great. And if you can, if you can get the idea in your head and maybe even you, you feel like you want to do the cash envelope system. I think it's yeah. It really can't hurt you. Um, I mm-hmm. have not implemented it, but but I have started to think about money differently based on the system, which I think yeah. is the point, right? Can mm-hmm. you can you um, think about spending money the way that you would if if it was cash instead of just card? Excuse me, I got sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. So the underlying question here is um, do you have financial peace in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's an important question to ask ourselves because having peace is somewhat contingent on the stressors <laughs> that we have, mm-hmm. really. I mean, how how stressed out are you? Finances are a humongous stressor in so many people's yeah. lives. Living paycheck right. to paycheck, having all this debt hanging over their head. Mm-hmm. How are we going to make it? 
Um, and then on the flip side of things, this is a more rare category, I would say, for myself and us and our listeners. You have you have a ton of money. There's a ton of money in in the picture. That's also a stressor. Mm-hmm. It's it's an in, it's an incredible thing to have a bunch of money and and to have more than you need but you need to now manage this money so money is this huge category in our lives that we make that that our society western society really has made a big deal of mm-hmm. yeah and okay so put down the back burner now and then just follow me in this way so i was reading the bible yesterday luke 12 talks about um the, a a man who farms and he has this bumper crop and so he says, man, where am I going to put all this grain? So he knocks down his barns and he builds bigger barns to store all of his grain. You can imagine he is smiling. He's just thinking, man, I have this figured out. I am successful. I am rich. Mm-hmm. And God has this conversation with him and says, who do you think you are? You could lose this today. I could take all of this from you today. What makes you rich isn't your stuff. It's your relationship with me. Mm-hmm. It's our relationship. That's what makes you rich. And I, I guess I've read this before. I've, I've heard a similar idea. It's, it sounds pretty harsh. I mean, God sounds pretty... God doesn't sound uh, like he's very nice in this situation. So why is he making such a brutal statement? Like, why, why come mm-hmm. down so hard on this guy? And then I, I had this thought, if you believe that there's more to life than just the 80 or 90 years that uh, hopefully you're blessed with, you know, there's life after death, then money, money and security and all the comforts we have here is, is, is really, they're just really not all that important. Mm-hmm. But if, if this is all there is, 80 or 90 years, and then you're done, there's nothing after this then you're going to do everything you can to accumulate wealth. You're going to do everything you can to avoid discomfort and pain and suffering. Why wouldn't you? It's completely consistent. And mm-hmm. yet we as Christians look around us and say, why are people living like this? They're, they're greedy. They're selfish. Well, it, that's consistent with the way you'd live your life too if you were living as if 80 or 90 years is all you get. This is all you get. Why not make the most of it? Make as much money mm-hmm. as you can. Buy the coolest stuff you can. Have as much fun as you can. Try not to get into trouble. Try not to get sick. Try not to have these horrible things happen to you. But as a Christian, the un- the unfortunate thing is we live the same way. And yet we we have the security. We have the the an outcome that we believe is so much different than, than 80 or 90 years. And yet we treat life like... It's just 80 or 90 years and that's it. There's nothing more. So we're going to get as much as we can and we're going to put the focus on money and security Mm -hmm. and everything we can get out of. We're going to squeeze every last drop out. And it's like, I had this thought, it's kind of hard to articulate, but who cares Yeah. how much money you have? Who cares? Mm -hmm. Honestly. And yet we all do. (laughs) I do. I care a lot. I think the the amount of time I think about money and how I'm spending it and how I'm making it and how much I have and how much I'm going to have and how much I'm saving, how much I'm, it's ridiculous. Yep. It is ridiculous. No wonder the Bible is, is so firm on this. Talks about money and greed and pride and all of these aspects so much more than it does about 
so many other topics that, that seem just as important. Yeah. Lots of topics about money in the Bible. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I want to open this up for discussion. I think that... Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, as my iPhone says, you're full. You can't record video anymore. <laughs> I think that for me, the place that I'm at with this is I'm learning how to tithe with a heart that's open to um, it, it being a sign of me saying, God, this is yours. All of it's yours. Here's 10% yeah. or more. That's nothing. But it's, it's something, it's the first thing I'm going to give from this paycheck I just got as a way of saying, thank you for giving me all of this. Like, it's awesome that I get to have all of this money yeah. and all of this stuff. And here's just a little bit back instead of the way I've looked at it in the past, which has been, all right, <laughs> I'm going to give you this, God. There's 10%. All right. Uh, there's some strings attached to this. I hope the church spends it well. What are they going to spend it on? Is it going to be spent yeah. well? That's the battle yeah, I've had. Focusing on your heart about it rather mm -hmm. focusing on, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. Yeah, I've had strings attached to the money I yeah. give as a tithe when that's really not the point of a, a tithe, right? right. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's an issue of the heart. Mm -hmm. I love this topic. And I hate it at the same time. <laughs> it's but, tough, man. Uh, it's I, tough. I think the root of this topic, and I think where we're kind of heading towards, is actually the topic of stewardship and just being a good steward of your money. Um, you know, so the the Bible says, like, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. And that's always how I've been taught to kind of see it. Um, but it's still a necessity, right? You can't mm -hmm. ignore the fact that you need money. And, and I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, my financial situation has changed. Uh, well, it's ever changing, but it's changed a lot um, yeah. with the move and everything. You know, I've sp yeah. I spent a lot of money up front. I owe money in different places now. Um, and so there's been a lot of um, just, yeah, stressing about certain things and wondering... Uh, how do I make this work? What do I have to move around to do to do this right now yeah, in the interim? Exactly. I have this much time to do this, and then you know. So it's been a serious stressor. But I was thinking the other day, like if I won the lottery, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even if I won a million dollars or something, or was handed a million dollars, what what would I do differently? And I was just thinking about like a lot of people would their their lifestyle would change in that they would probably buy nicer things feel like they could mm -hmm. afford the bigger house and for me i was like i would i would just probably like pay off the house so i don't have a mortgage and and just like i would pay to have less yeah time thinking about money wondering where things are you know i put a ton into savings and you know and i'd probably like try to figure out how can I work three days a week and take my mm. kids to the zoo uh, on a random day. And like, you know, I was like thinking like, I would just make my kids childhood be the best childhood ever. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're, hey, today we're doing this today. We're doing that. You know, you get to spend the entire day, you know, whatever it would just like my lifestyle would change, but it would be like, I would still be living this, like buying the same things, eating the same food, living mm -hmm. in the same place. You know, I would, 
try to use that money to make myself not as concerned about money. Right. That's it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that is, um, like, I was trying to think of, like, what is being a good steward of your money? It's realizing that, like, you need it, but don't crave it. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't need money because mm-hmm. you need to buy nicer things and buy more things and do all of these other things. Like you could have a great lifestyle and, and be less stressed. Right. <laughs> you could have I a hear you nice saying, lifestyle. Are you content? Yeah. Like what are is, what is the driving what force? Like, mm-hmm. are you going to constantly be stressed, constantly be trying to, get more money because you want the nicer things or are you going to, you know, are you working, um, are you working because you have to? Mm -hmm. Cause, cause I'm working cause I have to, I mean, I like what I do, but I'm working because I, I have to, Right. (laughs) you know, (laughs) if if I made a a lot of money, I would try to work less and I would try to be less stressed. I would pay things off and, you know, just not have to worry about it as much, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's for me is like, it was kind of a, it was just kind of an aha moment, I guess, mm, for me mm-hmm. with, with finances was cause it's like, yeah, you know, would I like nice things? Sure. But like, do I need those things? Would I rather have those nice things or would I rather like have more fun experiences with my kids, more time with mm. my family? Would I rather yeah. like be less stressed about the monthly, you know, bills? Yeah, absolutely. In a heartbeat. I would 100% sacrifice changing my lifestyle to a nicer lifestyle in a bigger house with more things yeah. and take just the financial freedom. Yeah. <laughs> like that for you, me was, you've you know. heard of, uh, it, what, what I hear you saying is what do you love for mm-hmm. some people? I, I, I can think of someone right now who loves working and I don't think that he would say that. I mean, I, I love working too, but when I think of this yeah. person in particular, <laughs> when you talk to them, you know, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm just, you know, working like crazy. It's busy, man. It's just, it's just really busy. Oh yeah. Well, you know, how's everything else going? Oh, it's good. I just got, you know, I got a lot of this work to do. And at first you think, well, man, they just have a lot on their plate and they have to do all this to be able to make ends meet. And then after years and years of this, you start to see it at other people and you realize they have a work addiction. Mm. They love having to work they love having to be busy they they love it and Which unfortunately is true to a point to me is for me as well absolutely yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. true of all of us to mm-hmm. a point but what i hear you saying in this is i'm working because i have to work if i had the choice given the choice i would love to be with my family more and unfortunately what happens with some people what happens with your heart is tim keller would say that Tim Keller would say this, where if you're going down a road, everybody's going down a road and it's taking them somewhere. We've talked about this before. If you go down, if there's a Y in the road and you say, I'm choosing work over family, then eventually that, that divide's going to be even greater and you're going to be spending more and more time at work when your family doesn't need you to be spending more time at work. Your family's mm-hmm. not asking for more, for more money or a bigger house necessarily. They're asking for more right. time with you. Mm-hmm. And yet... You know, we make decisions based on what we love. That's what I'm saying yeah. here. And what I hear you saying mm-hmm. is I, the decisions that I make are based on, on the fact that I, I need to do these things so that I can be with the people I love. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I think we need to evaluate what we, we do need to evaluate what we love because God yeah. just thought of this. God talks about idols in the Bible. Mm-hmm. What do you idolize? Is it, uh, is it your stuff or is it him? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think if, if every single one of us looked at our lives, we, we would find a lot of things that we love more than, uh, than other things that we, we should. And money has mm-hmm. this tendency to muddy the waters. It really does. It, it takes an enormous amount of time to make money. It takes a lot of time to, to spend money and to manage the things that we spend money on and then we go out and make more money so we can buy more stuff and all of it is important like you said but only to the degree that it's in check like Mm -hmm. do you have your finances in the proper place in life yep i don't know that i do yet I, i i i have more than i need but are they at the right place in your priorities mm-hmm. um, because I find I spend a lot of time thinking about finances and yeah. do I really need to spend that much time thinking about money or can I, can I spend more time thinking about things that are so much more important, obviously so much more important. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm the type of person too, where like, uh, you know, well, I, Hey, I was, taught at an early age how to manage finances and that's something that I will forever be grateful for um Mm -hmm. you know never went into debt even like going into like getting married like (laughs) even my wife had a handle on her finances to the point where there were no school loans going into marriage so like we just had this like sense of financial freedom you know, the first big thing was like buying the house. Yep. Um, not this, not this house, our first house, but you know, even that, like th- making that decision, like was, has shown how just investing in things, you know, like there's all these things to money that, yeah. <laughs> um, you can make the right decisions and not make it an idol. Like you can be smart about it. And in some cases, you can take that to a point where it does become an idol where being, uh, you know, um, yeah, you can, you, you can make it an idol by being too concerned about where your money is going. Like I'm more of like the live it up kind of person, like, (laughs) like live in the moment, you know, Uh save, but like also have, make sure that you're spending some money in the moment to, Mm -hmm make sure you're, you know, have a good time. This is kind of where, where my head's at. Don't do it <laughs> foolishly, but have a good time. Like don't, you know, uh, some people are also more like this money is better put in savings because yeah. down the road I will make this much more and yes. you know, my retirement will be that much more padded, you know, whatever, how, however you decide to go about it is, is your own decision. Um, I, I like the, uh, the envelope idea. Um, I don't think I could ever see myself actually taking the cash out of the bank, right. <laughs> putting it into envelopes and doing that. But, but what I do actually consistently, which kind of falls in line with this is, um, and, and any bank that you're in would probably have this at this point, or there's, you know, various budgeting tools, but it'll show you your spending breakdown. Mm-hmm. 
um, on, you know, and you'll see, oh, I spent this much on streaming services this month oh, no. or, uh, or subscription services, whatever. Oh, I spent this much on Amazon this month. Uh, oh, I spent I this much on food, on eating out this month. Like, uh, you know, and, yeah. and from there you can kind of say, okay, I need to cut back here. Yeah. I need to make a conscious effort to take that money and put it into something else. Like it's yeah. better spent somewhere else. And when you see that breakdown, um, yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> it's, it's always eye opening. Um, it is. but from there it's, it's Humbling. just making the conscious effort to, to change that. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now in my headspace of like, okay, so if I got a million dollars, this is what I would do differently. I don't have a million dollars. The chances of me winning, winning the lottery is very slim, but I'm still left with this idea of how would I live life differently if money was not an object, if money was not in the way, <laughs> right? Mm. And so how now do I approach life knowing that, making mm -hmm. that decision like this is how I would spend my money if I had this much money, if mm -hmm. it wasn't an option. Um, and, uh, and so that's what I'm figuring out now. Um, yeah. I, and I don't know, this conversation could go on for hours of me trying to digest and figure that out, <laughs> but I'm going to be thinking on it for a while. And I know. in light of this conversation, I think, like I said, it kind of, for me, all boils down to like stewardship. If we're taking this from a spiritual faith, yeah. faith based approach, it's like, are you being a good steward of what you're being given? Right. Like mm -hmm. if you have this much money, regardless of how much it is, are you using it wisely? Are you thinking mm -hmm. about how you're using it, but not making it an idol? Mm -hmm. Like that's the fine exactly. line, I guess, that we kind of have to walk right now is just yep. <laughs> like be smart about it. Mm -hmm. Think about it. <laughs> do the right thing. Uh, make a conscious effort. Don't be foolish, but at the same time, don't think about it so much and don't be so stringent that it yep. becomes more important than the other things in your life. And that can happen with a lot of money or a little money. Correct. You see it on both sides. People think about money a lot when they have a little and people think about money a lot when they have a lot. Yeah. It's, 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 it occurs in both cases. In fact, I've seen the people with a lot of money who don't need the money yeah. that much more uh, consumed by it and, yep. and less likely to, to give of that money or yes. even like, like, like penny pinchers to the point where they're going into lawsuits for like money that they really don't need. They're never going to mm -hmm. miss. I and know. they're spending more money trying to recoup that money. It's like, mm -hmm. guys, like, think about this for a yeah. second. It's an, obs it's <laughs> an obsession. It's an it's issue an obsession. of the heart. Exactly, exactly. The, I'd like yep. to read the parable of the rich fool, um, and then we can we can close this out at we're at, um, as we're at time, but uh, we mm -hmm. should do a finances part two. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. So that's, that, let's read Luke 12, 13 to 21, and then we'll end with uh, Luke 12... 34, which I think sums us up pretty well. So Luke 12, 13 through uh, 21 says this, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an, 
yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for, for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have pre prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And then moving down to verse 34. Well, we'll go up to 32, 33, and 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we sum up this episode, I am going to be asking myself, where's your treasure? Mm -hmm. What I hear you saying, Tim, is your treasure is your family. You want to spend more time with your wife and with your kids. That's where your heart will be. If your treasure is anything else, um, well, you have to look at your own heart and see, see what it tells you. But um, mm -hmm. this is a pretty convicting episode for me. I mean, this is a pretty yeah. convicting, pretty convicting topic, and it's a very important one too. We have to be serious people about this because this is a serious discussion, and it has serious consequences depending on what we do. Yeah. So uh, we're we're glad that uh, we could talk about this as uh, as a podcast, and and we'd invite you into the conversation. Um, Holy Ghost Notes is. Uh, it's really just a simple idea. We, we talk and record, and then um, we like to continue the conversation online, whether that be um, our inner circle, which is our community that you can pay to be a Patreon for. Um, and, and also we have all social media outlets, which you can, you can be a part of, and you can also email us. But we'd love to know what you think, and, and more, more than anything, you don't have to reach out, but that you can just think about this seriously in your own life. This is serious consequences. Yeah. And I think in order to have peace in your life, your finances have to be in order. You have to be aware of them. But like Tim, like you said, to be conscientious of where things are, but not to be obsessing and idolizing mm -hmm. the things that you have, yep. your possessions. Yep. That's it, man. That's the, that's the key. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, appreciate all of you. And um, if you're interested in supporting, patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. And uh, yeah, hit us up on the socials. And we will see you next time. Tim, we should, uh, we, we should get a golf crew together. Um, a golf crew? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just got a, a new Netflix that I want to try out. Mm. Ah, for the bunker. Yeah. Yep. Cause that's, <laughs> I'm not very good at golf, so it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna end up there and, uh, some, some, uh, some remoistened, uh, gloves. Just, there's just something about that. You know, when you have the remoistened gloves for yep. your big swing out of the bunker, mm -hmm. Whew, 
Ooh, watch out. Are you are you, you good? Just by that swing, <laughs> I can tell you don't go golfing very much. <laughs> you playing baseball over there? Or are you golfing, man? <laughs> I'm swinging a drumstick. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. It does better. Yeah, we'll All right. We'll see. We'll see. Thank you all for listening. This has been a lot of fun. I mean, from the hi-hat yeah. hit to the uh, wrong episode. Yeah, yep. Fun times, fun times. But uh, Love you, we'll Tim. see you all soon in a couple weeks. Love you too, Matt. And uh, yeah, until next time. You know we'll be seeing you. Three, two, one. Peace. Peace.